Well, we're speaking about the family committed to God's plan for the family is our theme for January. This morning kind of kicked off with first, uh, first days of first months. And tonight I want to talk a little bit about the family unit and uh, some things that we need to be committed to as families. In many people's homes, you will have this statement, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's one of the classic verses in the Bible. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And Joshua stood up and he said, look, you can make a decision what you can do for you. And by the way, you will make a decision. Everybody's making a decision. So you can serve your, you can serve the gods of the Amorites where you dwell. You can serve the gods we serve on the other side of the flood. That's what you want to do. Knock yourself out. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, I'm just going to say this quickly. If Mr. Joshua said that, Mrs. Joshua had to follow along. And uh, someone had to, had to he, he had to speak for his family and thank God for kids and and for wives that follow along. If God's called your husband to do something that's right and, and uh, correct, follow along. I like that verse, but it was given by a man who was 110 years old. His first 40 years, he was a slave in Egypt. He knew what it was like to tend bricks. He knew what it was like to be hit and beaten, to be uh, subordinate to just any taskmaster. So the first 40 years of his life, he spent it in Egypt, listening to their music and learning their culture and, and uh, living and working as a slave. The next 40 years, he would spend in the wilderness, in the desert, following around and trying to serve a man named Moses. He wasn't the leader at the time. He was just someone that came along and tried to encourage the man of God and, and do what he could to encourage him. It was a long time. I imagine 40 years would be a long ministry. Most of us will not have 40 years of ministry. But he did. He 40 years as a slave, 40 years serving God's man. The last 30 years, he had led a, a, a nation of Israel to conquer and to enjoy and to inhabit the, the uh, Canaan land. First five years, he was fighting, fighting, fighting. He got everybody together, and they fought. And even though they had a promise and given them that it was battles, and they had to figure out how they were going to win and what they were going to conquer. And, of course, they went to Jericho and to Ai, and there were ten cities that they had to conquer strategically. And that's why taking anything from, from Jericho was forbidden, because first things belong to God. There were ten cities. The first one is the accursed thing. You take that one, you got issues. And by the way, if God gives you a dollar, ten cents belongs to Him. If He gives you a dime, a penny belongs to Him. If He gives you $1,000, $1, $100 belongs to Him. It's just, it's, you just have to do two things, do the math and obey. <laughs> And I, I'm assuming, I don't know who gives, who doesn't give in the, in the ministry here, but I want to encourage you, uh, don't, don't not do that. I remember talking to a man recently, and I, he said, you know what, I haven't been in church. I said, well, good. I said, I started, I actually, I said, where, where are you? I thought he was going to another church. He said, no, I haven't been going. I said, and he's my friend. I love him. I said, are you been tithing? He said, no. I said, why would you live like that? Why would you live? Enjoying God's blessing, having health, having a job, having a place to live, and give him nothing. 
as a child of God? How could you live like that? He goes, oh, good question. And uh, thank God he started tithing last week. <laughs> I'm glad he did. And his heart is to be back in the Lord's work. And God dealt with him and gave him conviction. And I'm happy about that. But, uh, but they, of course, they conquered Jericho. Then Ai, there was a problem because Achan had stolen from the Lord. And not only complicated his life, it complicated his family's life and his nation's life. And 35 funerals later, there was some real problems. But he spent five years fighting that conquest. And then the brethren went over on the other side of, of Jordan. And they, they went ahead and went back there. And for the next 25 years, he had enjoyed leading God's people. He sectioned out the land of Canaan under the direction of the Holy Spirit and the Lord. And, and no doubt Moses. And then gave everybody property. And for 25 years, he, had a, he was aging. But he had, a, he had a pretty good life watching God do amazing things. Watching God provide for him, God protect them, give them victories. But now he's an old man and he speaks to the elders of Israel. If this afternoon some of you read Joshua chapter 23 and 24, you saw that he got their attention. He's an old man, 110 years old, and he said, you know what? I'm ready to go. He said, I want to give you a few things. A few things to consider. And of course, he culminates it somewhat with that verse of Scripture saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You make your decision for you, and I'll make my decision for me. But he spoke for Mr. Joshua and Mrs. Joshua and the family and said, hey, I've already made my decision. I'm not turning back. I'm going to please the Lord. I'm committed to pleasing the Lord. We need that today. We need that in your home. A church is only as strong as its families are. Couple things I just uh, write out. Uh, it's not the message, but I thought it might be interesting for us to just think about this. I wrote a couple things down. You know, a church depends heavily upon its family units for numeric purposes, for economic purposes, for social purposes. A church of the West rests heavily upon families. Now, I understand in a church, not everybody's married. Not everybody has a family. Some of you wonderful people, you come by yourself. You live by yourself. You do your own laundry. You do your own cooking. You, you go to sleep every night on a one-pillow bed, and you don't have the company and the, and the family that, that others have. And uh, I thank God, and I oftentimes say this, and I'll say it if I can ever remember it as long as I live. I don't think anybody deserves more honor in our churches than the men and women who walk alone with the Lord, who are faithfully continuing on, living pure, living passionate, serving the Lord week in, week out. They're some of my greatest heroes in our churches are single adults who serve Christ. But families are important. And by the way, the church is important to the family. What are some benefits that a church, uh, that a family gets from being a part of a local church? I think there's several things. Number one, I think, first of all, it helps us spiritually. One thing, my dad, I admire my dad so much. He's been with the Lord almost 26 years. This February, when he went to cardiac arrest in a hospital there in Knoxville, and nine days later went home to be with Jesus. But one of the things I love about my dad, he didn't have the best start. His mother was drunk most of his adolescence. His dad and mom were very dysfunctional. He and his little brother kind of raised himself on the streets of Knoxville. 
And he had aspirations about what he wanted God, what he wanted, what he thought God wanted him to do, and it didn't all materialize the way. There were some things that just didn't happen, some things, probably uh, decisions that were made, and, and things that maybe are not the best uh, financially for him. One thing I love about my dad is he built the Wilkerson home around the local church. Wherever we went, we got into a church fairly quickly. I think maybe the longest, we had two different churches trying to figure out which one we were going to, either a Tabernacle Baptist Church or a Temple Baptist Church, and my dad couldn't figure out which one we were supposed to be at for the longest time, but he evaluated the youth program. That was big for him. What's going on in the youth ministry? What's going to happen? What's going on in the Sunday school class? He would ask us, now, what did you, what did you learn? Who's teaching you? What are they like? What do you know about that? He'd go, he'd start asking, asking the teenage boys and girls around there what they're like. He'd go to their ball games and see how they're dressed and see what they, what they carry. He was trying to figure out, where, where am I going to put these kids? Because even though he didn't have the opportunities that he felt like he should have or wanted to have in his ministry, he turned his focus on six kids. And he thought, he said, you know, we're going we're gonna to be in church. I remember one night, it snowed so bad, and, and one, one Saturday night, and it was just, there's just no way. We had a quarter mile road between us and the, and the dirt road from our house to dirt road. We were a 1972 Buick Electra, all eight of us, crammed in the back and, and all in our Sunday best and our coats. And boy, we're all in the back. And my dad says, we're going to church. I said, Dad, we're not going to be able to make it. Snow is like, it's like about a foot out there. And this is Missouri. He goes, no, we're going to give it a shot. And sure enough, he gunned it as fast as he could. He got down that little valley and back and forth, back and forth. Get out, John. Dad, I told you. John, shut up and get out there. And pushing, and we were pushing, rocking back and forth. And he finally says, ah, forget it. Let's go in the house. John, get a sermon ready. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, I don't want to preach today. Let Matt preach, you know. I'll take up the offering, you know. And so he was, he gave us all a job. Who's going to take up the offering? Who's going to sing the special? Who's going to lead the singing? Who's going to preach? And, and we set up that front room there. We only had four rooms in the whole house and uh, had a side the fifth room was a restroom on the side there and he he took the living room made it an, an auditorium and he set it up there and and we had our service but i'm telling you we, that's the only service i ever thought that uh thought, man we're going to miss one service finally for once and we didn't he went and have it at the house so it worked out good and and that never happened for us but boy i, th I thank god boy if there was a camp if there was a youth activity I remember one day looking at my mom, and she was doing dishes. She'd have a ring on. I never saw my mom without a wedding band. I thought, what in the world? Mom, are you okay? What's going on? Where's your ring? They said, oh, no, I'm going to get it back next week. My dad took it to the pawn shop, took his ring, took her ring, and pawned it so we can go to camp. Didn't know that, then went back and took care of it. Unbelievable love, but all of us, whatever was good for God, whatever was good for the local church, Boy, I'm a recipient of that. If I don't live for God, I ought to be shot in the head. Been so much given to me. If you ever see me doing stupid stuff and sinful things, I ought to be, ought to be just, uh, ought to be in, in, I hope God just arrests me quickly. I oftentimes pray that. God, if I get in, if I get sideways with you, just arrest me quickly. Take me out of the, out of the picture. Don't let me hurt God. Don't let me hurt, hurt somebody else. And especially with so much been given to me. And teenager, those of you, those young people, you've been raised in this Christian, in a Christian environment. I'm not talking about everybody's perfect around you. I could tell you story after story where my, my dad wasn't perfect. My mom wasn't perfect. My teachers weren't perfect. The youth pastors weren't perfect. Some of them have made a wreck of them lives. But that doesn't mean I have to, I have to use that as an excuse to do wrong. 
Someone ought to grow up and just understand you've got a personal responsibility between you and the Lord. Enough has been given to us. We ought to live for the Lord. I love Joshua. He decided. It's good for us families. Spiritually, the church is good. The church is good for us also socially. I was uh, thinking about this. Our brother Todd, uh, uh, Todd Pointer, who pastors a vibrant church down the street here, about uh, two and a half, three hours away in Greenwood, Indiana. And uh, amazing, amazing guy. At 22 years of age, he started a church in Greenwood, Indiana, primarily because he didn't want to do his master's degree at Howells Anderson College. And so he said, where would you go, Brother Howells? Brother Howells told him, go to, go to, I'd go to Indianapolis. He went to his boss and said, can you transfer me to Indianapolis? And he said, yeah, we've got a great place in, in Greenwood. He went down there and scratched out a place for God. I think about 600 people attend that church on, a, on an average Sunday. But I, I asked him, I said, what are, man, did you make a lot of mistakes in your 20s? He says, you know what? I, I, I mean, I loved every part of the ministry. He said, but you know, I went to First Baptist Church. I went to Hammond Baptist Schools. I learned how to... To dress, I learned how to shake hands. I learned how to greet people. I learned how to, how to stand up in front of folks and do a speech. I learned how to just normal things. I learned how to dress and, and dress up and go to a basketball game or a wrestling event. And, and I went to youth conferences. I listened. I watched how pastor and other people would conduct themselves. He said, I'm not all that. But he said, I was so far advanced in what I could do because of what I was exposed to. I learned more by accident than an average person learns uh, on purpose at Lake Central or, or some other, some other uh, place. He said, I, I was blessed by that. I think it helps us spiritually. I think a local church helps us socially. Get your kids and, uh, and get your family in local church. There's things you're learning about geography, things you're learning about missions and countries of the world. I imagine you probably know more about different countries of the world than the average person would know just because we support missionaries. A lot of things we're learning that God is helping us. Learning sacrifice, learning giving, learning music. Isn't it beautiful to see young people, a couple of them up here, 13, 12, 13 years old, playing in the orchestra? I was watching Travis over here playing the trombone. And, uh, and Eric over here playing the violin. I thought, man, that's wonderful. Young people are learning. I, I can't even play the radio. <laughs> You know, and, and these guys know how to do all these things and learning some, learning some stuff that's helpful to them. It's helpful to them socially. I think also a, a, a church family brings to a family great satisfaction and fulfillment. Had a man not too long ago, he said, I don't know where I was all my life. He said, I'm 47 years, ago, years old, I get saved. I feel like I just missed my whole life. Where was this church? Where was this environment? My whole life, I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know you could be so happy. I didn't know you could have a New Year's Eve. I talked to him the other day. He said, Pastor, I haven't been sober for New Year's Eve my entire adult life, since I was 16 years old. I don't even know what it's like to wake up sober on New Year's Day. I don't know what it's like to have a good time. Now I know. Many of us were unsaved, people who are raised here, and you're trying to go out there and do the same dumb things that they're, they're coming out of. God ought to help us with that. Well, with this in mind, Joshua gets up and said, listen, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And he gives us several things I just want to give to you very quickly. Go to chapter 23, if you would, please. And uh, I'm going to try to be as fast as I can because I want to share these thoughts with you. But look at verse number 3 of chapter 23. 
These are several things we ought to be committed to. Verse number 3 of chapter 23, the Bible says, And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto, thee, unto these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you these lots, these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes and from Jordan, with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God shall expel them from before you, and drive them from out of your sight, and ye shall possess their land, as the Lord your God hath promised unto you." I want you to notice first thing I think we ought to be committed to, and that is making memories and remembering God's blessing. Remember the blessings of God. Brother Ernie here was an unsaved man in Midland, Texas, or Odessa, Texas. And of course, Brother Ginsky over here was traveling with Joe Boyd and came and talked to him about Jesus. And of course, he went to the revival meeting, got saved, and Sometime later, came up here, went to college, met Miss Rhonda. The Lord's used his life in a wonderful way. But every once in a while, Ernie's to stop and think about, boy, God's been good to me. What a different life. Brother Jim, you know how you were raised. Alcohol flowed like a river, abuse, and all the challenging things, and going from here and there. Every once in a while, Jim actually needs to sit still and say, God, you have been good to me. You know, Brother Judah being raised with a Muslim dad and a wonderful man that loves him, but his mom and dad dysfunction and throwing football in the streets of Chicago and going to that attic just to get away from all the mayhem. And once in a while, it's a good idea for him to stop and say, Lord, you've been good to me. I think if we're going to have a component of a Christian home, we ought to remember the blessings of God. Remember how he's protected us how He's provided for us, how He's given us victories and good things that God's given us. But for the grace of God, you know, some of you precious girls, you don't know what it's like not to have someone messing with you. But your mama knows what it's like. Your aunts know what it's like. That was, that's the other side of salvation. You got blessings because of salvation. Boy, you got to look back and say, God, thank you for the victories. Thank you for the protection. Thank you for the good things that you've brought to my life. I think one of the greatest components of a Christian home is somebody ought to get thankful real quick. When the fires of, die, of gratitude die out in your heart, oh man, you're, you're worthless. The young people up in the, from, from Chicago and Thank God there's a bus route. Thank there's some place. You guys in the Better Roads Recovery Home and, and the, uh, the rescue mission. And oftentimes we find all the negative things to say. Thank God you got a warm place to stay and an opportunity to make it. Get out of the pit. All of us have things who can be a blessing about it. You guys are going to Hammond Baptist or City Baptist on, on, uh, on Tuesday. You got to thank God you walk in those doors. That God puts you a place so you can help. You can grow and you can do what's right. Next time you want to complain, just stop it. I think one of the things that Joshua said to him, he said, I tell you what, for me, serving God is going to have a commitment to looking back and thanking God for what he's done for us. Number two, it's going to be a challenge to keep a clean, separated life. He tells him, look, if you would please, at verse number six of chapter 23. Be therefore very courageous and keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. That you turn not aside from 
therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that ye come not among these nations. These that remain among you, he said, stay away from them. Neither make mention of the names of their God. Don't even talk about their gods and their interest. Nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done so unto this day. He says the second thing he tells me, he says, number one, remember God's blessings. Remember the blessings of God and make good memories with God. Remind yourself of the memories. Number two, keep your heart and your life clean and separated from God. I talked about that this morning. The Bible tells us we ought to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Everything about you and everything about me ought to be distinctively Christian. Someone gets on your social media, I say, that is a Christian person right there. They are a godly person. They do not criticize. They do not go around and say, woe is me. These people are thankful. These things are appreciative. Someone walks in your yard, they ought to say, you know, something different about this yard. And they see your car. Your car ought to be clean. Your yard ought to be taken care of. There ought to be something different about you. Someone walks in your house, a stranger, I say quickly, this is a Christian home. Something about this home is Christian. There ought to be distinctively clean and distinctively uh, Christian and godly and right. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about His glory and His name. He said, listen, uh, number one, keep clean. Keep your, keep your life clean. And keep it separated from the world. He said, don't, don't get near these other nations. Of the, they was talking about the Amorites and the Canaanites. He said, stay away from those people. You're in the world, not supposed to be of the world. He said, be distinctively different in the way we conduct ourselves. And I love what he says here also. He says, cleave unto the Lord. I'm going to just to say something. I'm going to close with this and pick up this next time. But I will say this. I think we've got to be very careful and young people, you think, well, we can't do this, we can't do that. Let me tell you something. When you love Jesus, like Brother Steve said this morning, it's not hard to say no when there's a greater yes going on inside of you. Well, I just can't listen to this. I can't watch that. I can't go to the movies. I can't listen to this. My mom and dad are always on me about that. Well, turn the little cat around. You don't like to keep it's running the wrong way? Turn the cat around. You focus toward the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be just fine. He said, you want to have a home that's going to bring glory to the Lord? And we'll talk about our marriages in a little bit next week. If you want to have a home that glorifies the Lord, number one, make good memories and, and count your blessings. Name them one by one. Hey, kids, look in the eyes of your mom and dad. Don't run your room and close the door. Look in their eyes and say, thank you for working for me. When you close the door on, on Tuesday and you get out of your car and you go into Hammond Baptist or City Baptist, you jump on the bus, you got to find out who's paying your school bill and look them in the eye and say, thank you very much. We ought to have a, an attitude of gratitude on what God has done for us. Well, I just don't get this. We don't get this. Listen, if we got what we all deserve, we'd be in hell yesterday. And we'll be in hell for all eternity. Why in the world we complain and gripe? We ought to look back at the blessings of God, how good He's been to us. Quit complaining and griping. It's a component that every Christian home needs. And God's plan is that a home be a happy place. It'd be a grateful place. And it'd be a clean and separated place. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your mind? What's going on on your phone? What's going on on your, on your devices? What are you doing? You think no one's going to know? It's going to become, hey, listen, sin's the world's greatest detective. It always gets its man. You're not going to outsmart God. Be not deceived. Don't kid yourself. 
God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Are you sinning? Are you in sin? Are you doing things that are wrong? Quickly do two things. Admit it and quit it. Confess it and forsake it to the Lord. Don't continue in that way. You want a home, you want a component that honors the Lord, you want a committed home, make it clean. Make it right. And when you cling to the Lord, you're going to automatically, I, I, I use this illustration lightly, but I, I just, I love being married to Linda. I got married to her 31 years ago. I'm very thankful for that. But I'm telling you, I don't have to go around and say, no, I'm not, I don't like you, and I, oh, I don't like you to all the other women of the world. No, no, no. What kind of idiot would I be? I just have to say a big yes to her. I stay close to Linda. And not only does that help me, it helps everybody else. So you say, well, I just can't do this, can't do this. You get a big love for the Lord Jesus Christ, all those other little things are just going to fall away like little idols. It's not going to matter. Dagon's going to fall on his face whenever Christ is, is most important and paramount in our heart and life. I think Joshua, he knew what it was like to say, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Why? Because his house was a place of gratitude. And he reflected on God's blessings, upon his victories, upon his kindness to him, on his protection to him. And they also it's a place where he was totally all in with the Lord. But the Clint Cavanagh has a statement. I like it. I say it oftentimes. All of us, all the way. Could you say it with me? All of us. Oh, we don't need another casualty. Your family doesn't need one of the kids to go goofy. It needs all of us serving Christ all the way. Grandma, Grandpa, get back in. Mom, Dad, don't quit serving the Lord. Don't say, well, the kids are out of school. Now we can kind of relax a bit. No, you can't. You ought to pray more. You ought to be as involved as God wants you to be. Girls, well, I'm out of school, I'm out of college, or I'm out of this. Listen, you keep staying on the high road of holiness. Cleave to the Lord and stay away from the nations of this world, the wrong influences. I think we can find a component that we can be committed to, and we have a home that would honor the Lord 